0: Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey. Though personalism comprises many different forms and emphasis, certain distinctive characteristics can be discerned that generally hold for personalism as such. These include an insistence on the radical difference between persons and non-persons and on the irreducibility of the person to impersonal spiritual or material factors. An affirmation of the dignity of the person, a concern for the person's subjectivity and self-determination, and particular emphasis on the intersubjective rational nature of the person. Personalism that is the starting point to this reflection. Personalism. And I just read to you a paragraph from an article that I've, I have tweeted out. I believe I've tweeted this out. It's a pretty lengthy um, text. And it's an academic uh, reading, if you will. So usually academic texts have longer uh, sentences because they have all these Embedded clauses And I believe that paragraph That I just read to you um, Only consisted of two sentences But there were six lines type lines all together So I'm pretty sure I did not read That second sentence that I, In the way that I needed to Because it was a series of clauses So I'm gonna I'll reread that On the other side of the disclaimers But I wanted to let you know That that uh, paragraph is an overview Of this thing called personalism Or personalist thought And I found my way uh To this theory and it's as a theology I found my way to it as a theology first And then I learned that it was a philosophy So we'll talk about how I got there and what do I think about it Now that I have access to it Okay, But that's what this reflection is going to be about If you're new to this project, how do I start off? I don't know how I start off. Let me start over. (laughs) If you're new to this podcast, this is a, oh my gosh, I cannot remember how I do this. Let me push pause. Well, I'm just going to start. I don't know why I'm having, I'm drawing a blank. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer world's Um. By way of personality theory, the two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INDJ-8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets around critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity around um, power, social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at anidom dot wordpress.com. I think I start off by saying if you're new to this podcast and not if you're new to this project. But this has been happening a lot to me where I am just like like what? What am I saying? What word? I um I literally um had my car running in the garage for about five hours at least and my neighbor had to knock on my door and was like, "Hey, <laughs> do you mean for your car to be running in the garage?" <laughs> the door was lowered. We share a garage, and so thank goodness, cuz I would have gotten up the next day and not wonder not understanding why my car wouldn't start because it would it ran out of gas. So, there was that. That was 2 weeks ago. And then this weekend, I couldn't find my car. I couldn't find it. I was looking for the remote control for the garage door opener. Excuse me. I was looking for the garage door opener. I couldn't find it because I, I couldn't see my car. I assumed that car was in the garage. So I was looking for the garage door opener, but I couldn't find it. I mean, I looked and I looked and I looked for it. So then I said, oh, well, the garage door must be in the car. And then I looked for my car again. I couldn't find it. So then I was like, oh, my gosh. Somehow, I parked the car, left the door open, and maybe my neighbors lowered the door. To make it, make a long story short, it was snowing that day, so my car was outside in the driveway, completely covered in snow, but it blended in with all of the the snow in the background, just because. And so, I didn't go outside. Once I went outside to look at where my car was parked, I could see it. But as long as I was looking out the window, it was blending in. The snow was making it blend in with the landscape of all the snow. Um, so there's that. So um that those are two big events, you know, like me not finding my car, me (laughs) me leaving the car running in the garage. Um, but I've also experienced some other um like my, my pattern recognition apparatus has been going, it's been operating in fear. So I'm starting, I was starting to make connections that just, I won't say seem fantastical. It was, it was, they were, they were, I was just drawing some, some patterns that I was like, wait a minute. And then I was feeling very, very isolated, very extremely isolated, extremely alone and extremely, um, um, extremely isolated, extremely alone. And it's extremely misunderstood, and those are things that are, are, are unusual to me. But I don't usually feel that. I shouldn't say that. I don't usually feel those things. So yeah, I can feel isolated, or I, periodic. I can feel alone or misunderstood, but I don't usually feel those things at the same time over a period of time. So Thursday, I started coming. I just like wait a minute. Like this weekend, I just have been like wait a minute, wait a minute. You're overtaxed. This is all what's going on. You're overtaxed. There's a lot going on in your world. And you need to slow down and get in touch with your inner self. Um, like I need I, I realize that I have this natural high that happens when I can go deep inward inwardly for a long period of time. A lot of times I can get there by way of exercise. Um, and then I have learned that when I have a lifestyle, when there's a life, when I have a lifestyle where I'm able to really connect to my inner self over a period of time, I feel really good. And so it's like, wait, wait a minute, we got to get there, right? Now you all know I'm on a fast from adult beverages. So, you know, I would have probably gone and had a glass of wine, I need to turn off my alarms. Um, the next time it goes off, I'll turn it off permanently because I've got to get ready for work. It's a Tuesday morning. But I probably would have just, in in this heightened state of stress, I would have had a glass of wine, right? Or two. <laughs> but I'm not doing that. So, and I don't, I'm not really begrudging that decision. I feel really good. As a matter of fact, I normally... Right around um, St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day is when I come off of the fast. Typically, I don't usually have a hard rule about it, but I typically come off like St. Patty's Day. And I don't know if I ever told you guys, but I actually am part Irish. I have Irish lineage that I can, that my family, we can literally trace back. And I don't usually talk about that because like really, I can trace that part of me, my ancestry back there, but I can't try and say, I can't uh, trace back my other ancestry. That's ridiculous. So I don't usually talk about it. It's not a big deal. But anyway, but I usually like, Hey, I got a button that says kiss me. I'm Irish. Right. <laughs> it's just a, an excuse to be ridiculous. But, um, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to come off the fast for Irish St. Patty's Day this year. Cause I'm actually okay. I'm enjoying the break. The, um, there's a when you do any kind of fast, you guys. I'm on a little bit of a rabbit hole, so bear with me. But any time you do a a fast, any kind of fast where you deny yourself something that has been a part of your routine, it makes you think and it makes you reflect and learn. I would encourage you to do it. So whether you take a fast from food, from a um, you know, fast from I know people who take a when they go off a of fast for sex, um. Shopping, um, maybe anything. I remember when I had to take a break from reading romance novels. I used to love historical romance novels, which is, which is really odd when you think about me as a feminist. So sometimes I pick up the books now just cause I, there's, I have such fond memories of these books. And I'm like, how did I ever read this garbage? But anyway, I have, back in the time, day I would have to take a break from reading my historical romance because I wasn't getting things done so there are a number of things that you can fast from and then when you do you usually learn in that period so this fasting that I'm doing is um one that um I just feel excited about lingering into it I don't know how long I'm going to linger into it um but it is what it is so Not having that as a default I'm like Oh Well I'm going to have to really tap into this inner Inner me Like there's I know that there's some Endorphins or some happiness (laughs) That happens when I get into that deep inner self And I'm going to need to access it And um, Because I need it Because I'm going through this extreme stress This isolation Just something that's going on so anyway, this weekend, I took some time. I took the day off Friday. I meant to take off Monday. Um, and I told my boss that she was like, Oh, I'm like, I get days off and I'm going to take those days. So I'm not sure what you guys are going to do, but I'm really frustrated about work stuff. Not frustrated like I was last year. Just annoyed. Just very annoyed. Irritated. Frustrated, annoyed, and irritated. All of those sound like type one. Uh, uh, qualities, right? But anyway, we're not, gonna, I've already talked about type eight and one, uh, cause that was in my head a week ago. God, if you guys, I feel like I need to just stop this recording and start over. But anyway, <laughs> so I took off some time on Friday and so i just been in the, in deep reflection and part of that reflection led me into kind of, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? You all know I'm dealing with a family member um, that's facing a life or death situation. It's a close family member of mine. So it's making me confront my mortality in a very, just just a very different way, very personal way. And so while I'm dealing with that person and me supporting that individual, I'm also dealing with my own mortality and asking some questions like, yo, what are we going to do? You got a birthday coming up. You'll be 52 years old. Really? What are you going to do with this thing called life? I think I mentioned this to you all. Um, so that's just what I, where I've been. And so I took this weekend to just rest, to try to go inward and to do some reflecting. And so I went back to Dr. King because there's something that's on me that I feel pulled to do, um, and if and and it's taken me to Dr. Martin Luther King jr um the Baptist preacher, and so I just took some time to read just was read I was like what is what was his theology? like we know about him as a civil rights activist, and we know about him as a preacher, but I don't really know what his theology was. I know that he spent some time with uh, people who were considered Unitarian Universalists And that's a That's a religion If you will That I identify with now Because there is no theism there There is no God And it's not that I don't believe in a God But Unitarian Universalism doesn't center a God Which is a, which I really like They like allow you to have your own Relationship with God Like your own relationship with God or not Your own construction of God and I like the intellectual freedom that comes by way of Unitarian Universalists. I have to tell you a story about how my mom would act when I would take her to a, a, a congregation with me, a, a service with me, but that I'm not gonna go into another rabbit hole. But I know because I, I, I have spent time with this denomination or this religion over the past 20 years off and on, I know that Dr. King and his wife Spent time there. And so I was like. What, was, what really was his theology. And. um And I learned. That his dissertation. If I'm not mistaken. Was on like exploring. What's called personalism. The, the- personalist theology. So I was like huh. I don't know if it's his d- dissertation. Or some of his papers. But anyway. I came to personalism. By way of. Trying to understand Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s theology, so it's a theology, it's a philosophy, and um, and I just have been trying to understand it. And I, it's funny because as I've been reading about it, I haven't allowed myself to connect to it on a personal level. Like it's not I'm not reading it, and I'm like, oh, this is me. Oh, this speaks to me. This speaks to me. Mm-mm. But it has been I've been reading it like Oh, this is giving me words This is giving me words Oh, this is an interesting thought For me to come back and interrogate later Do I agree? Do I disagree? Um, yeah, so I'm not done reading it um, There's a text that I'd like to say I tweeted out And there are six Areas uh Okay, there are six areas of the text But in that, item six is characteristics of personalism Or personalist thought And that paragraph that I read to you Was the introduction to that sixth section And in that sixth section, characteristics of personalist thought There are five characteristics Um, And so I'm not done reading all five of those I think I'm up to... Excuse me. Hold on a second Oh I just I am up. I read the first two <laughs> They're very meaty So I just have read the first two So I didn't really want to come and talk to you About personalism Because I'm not done reading the text But it is what's on my mind And because it's been two weeks Since almost two weeks Since I've connected with you um, I'm like well let me come and give you What I have so far okay Um and then i guess i've just taken you given you 15 minutes just to let you know what that's been going on in my world all right so i want to talk to you about personalism and know that i came to this theory as a way of doing some self-care work um as i'm in this heightened season of stress and i just want to share with you my thinking about this theory okay so let me reread that that paragraph sentence it's only two sentences though There are only two sentences. Sentence one, through personalism, mm -mm, though personalism comprises many different forms and and emphasizes, mm -mm, starting over, though personalism comprises many different forms and emphasis, certain distinctive characteristics can be discerned that generally hold for personalism as such. That was one sentence The next sentence which is Five lines So bear with me, I'm going to read that second sentence to you These include An insistence on the radical difference Between persons and non-persons And on the irreducibility of the person To impersonal, spiritual, or material factors One um, An affirmation of the dignity of a person's A concern for the person's subjectivity and self-determination And particular emphasis on the intersubjective Relational nature of the person So within that second sentence there were four clauses That were about characterizing personal thought Alright And then the five components of thoughts are Human beings, animals and nature That's one one way that personalism, personalist thought uh, is understood. Looking at the dignity of the person, that's the second way it's understood. Inter- interiority and subjectivity. Oh, I'm excited about that. That's the third one. I started reading that one. And I think um, that was three. You guys, if you don't listen to this reflection, I understand. Number four, self-determination. And then the fifth one is relationality and communion. My gosh. And then I went and found a video two days ago just to kind of give me an overview. It's about a 30-minute introduction to uh, personalist philosophy. And I tweeted that one out as well. Let me just give you some random thoughts here. So I have some notes from the video that I watched and not from the text So I have four points from the video that I watched that I just want to share with you and i'm going to kind of bounce between the video and the text We'll see. Um, usually when I be labor Be labor an introduction that means i'm having a hard time getting into the reflection. So we'll see We'll see i'll do my best and if this doesn't work i'll come back when I have read more um one of the thoughts I thought was interesting was this notion of both subjective and objective that we are both subjects in the world and objects in the world and a lot of this connects to my theory that I've been developing so I told you all that I have uh, developed my own uh, theory for empowerment and that continues to evolve as Anybody who's known for putting together a theory, um, it does evolve over time as you learn and research and, and explore more. And so I've seen my theory evolving. And so this text really speaks to something that I've already processed, but the text really um, gives me clarity, clearer, clarity of thought or clarity of mind. So, what this theory, what this text is saying, is that a person is both a subject and an object. We think of an object like I'm. Look, I'm sitting in my living room. I'm looking at my office chair. I'm looking at a computer monitor. I'm looking at a window. I'm looking at a bed for my dogs. I'm looking at a rug. I'm looking at a dog bowl. I'm looking at a picture. Looking at a little jupa, a little. This is a jukebox, a little radio, CD player. All of those are objects. I'm even looking at my dog. My dog is an object in the room. It is a thing that I can see. It is a thing, and so we are things in the world. From other people, other people don't, other see, other people see us as objects. Now, I took a word from Dr. Martin Luther King. And he called it thingify, to thingify or thingification. And usually this happens in a, with oppressed communities. So people who are from the margins or who are from oppressed communities are not given their personhood and their subjectivity. They're treated as objects for someone else's subjectivity, for someone else's benefit. Usually, we're just ob- objects to be manipulated. But what this text is saying is that everybody is an object, and honestly, we probably we 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 objectify other people when they're outside of us. When we're kids we, object, we objectify our parents as our caregivers. We can objectify our lovers for when we need love. right? When we need something from another person, they become an object uh, uh, or you, of, uh, of a thing that we need to, to serve to serve an, an area of need. So there's the object. We are objects to be used. I'm not going to say we are supposed to be, but we are objects to be seen and to be used by others. And then we're subjects. We have a subjective nature. And this goes to the point about interiority and subjectivity. And what makes us subjects is our inner world, you guys. And the inner world includes thinking feeling thinking and feelings thoughts and feelings that's what gives us our subjectivity and that is our interior world this is so good for me just right here it's good for me when I study Um, liberation and equity and social justice right for people who have been marginalized people who are objectified treated as objects solely solely as objects what as though they don't have an interior landscape or as though their interior landscape doesn't matter that's what we do to animals though Those of us who have animals and pets, we know that that's not true. We know that they they are a person. There's a dog. Uh, there's a place I went to, and when I lived in the south, and it said something that like dogs are people too. It's something like that. And it was it was so striking to me. Dogs are people too. Like what does that mean? And I think that today. That that means that. Animals have an inner landscape now what is to be debated when you start talking about the degree of subjectivity to, to our knowledge animals do not engage in metacognition and metacognition is to think about your own thinking I do that often in this project which is what Oftentimes comes off as a rabbit hole, right? I'm processing something And then I need to process something on top of that Because that additional process is helping me with the So I'm processing level at a level one Then there's another thing that comes up That I need to process That process two helps me to better process level one And then there's another one that pops up Process three helps me to understand process two Then it will help me to process process, uh, level one, right? So to think about your thinking to process your process and right as of now, we don't give animals credit for doing that. That's the metacognition component. Another thing that is unique to humans or most, um, I don't know if it's strictly humans of what I'm about to say, but most anim- most. Uh, creatures in the animal kingdom. I'm out of my element here, you guys. (laughs) So if you know this better than I do, you know, like I always say, hook a sister up. Don't have me sounding ridiculous. Send me a note and kind of educate me a little bit. But from my knowledge, most animals in the animal kingdom do not plan their action. They don't strategize. Next week I'm going to do this. They don't, and they don't reflect back. so that's a higher order processing now I'm curious about Bloom's taxonomy like when you start hitting those higher levels of cognition um, analysis synthesis evaluation creation right all of those are considered higher order processes but I'm I'm really going to be honest with you I'm not sure I'm not sure if I believe all of that is situated Strictly as a human experience, I don't know. Some of you are like, "Why do I even listen to this lady? She's weird." I am weird. If you, I am weird. And if, and if you keep coming back, that's just what you're gonna get. <laughs> that's what you gonna get. <laughs> anyway, so this idea of subjectivity is that we're more than as. Uh, An object to be used for someone else's need. We have an interior world. An interior landscape. The word is interiority. We have interiority. So what do I say when I start this project? When I start the episode? This is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. And I have said this before, we don't have mechanisms for processing the inner world. Like we go to school, we don't go to school to learn about the inner world. We go to school to learn about the outer world, learn about the outer world, learn about what we need to do in the outer world and who we need to be in the outer world. But we don't learn about the inner world, which is so annoying in education in the last 10 years, maybe longer, but it's been noticeable to me in the last 10 years where we talk about social emotional wellness we teach kids about their social emotional wellness and I'm like who the hell is teaching you who the hell has taught you about your social emotional wellness it is so annoying to me annoying when I hear teachers talking about social emotional wellness of kids and you have to go home and have a drink every day and I'm not judging it I am not judging your need for uh, some kind of vice. But what I am saying is you're acting, you, are, you need to learn about social-emotional readiness and not, and not just think that you're in a position of, of power to help kids as though kids, that you're any different from them. You're not, not at all. And then how dare we go regulation? Oh he's dysregulated. Is that what you say at night? When you're screaming at your spouse? Or when you're shoving that chocolate cake in your face? Are you dysregulated? I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Oh my gosh. Anyway anyway. So we don't get taught about the inner world. We don't get taught that. So now we're starting to do that better in our schools where we talk, we're talking about social-emotional wellness, but I'm not even sure we're still teaching that. So I think this is the perfect case set up for personality theory. Because personality theory teaches us about how we think and how we feel. And how we use those thoughts and feelings. What informs those thoughts and feelings. And how we use them. Personality theory helps to explain that. Excuse me. Um, and I think I finally cracked the code between... The MBTI and the Enneagram. I think I got it. I'm about, and I've talked about how I see the, how they relate. And you always see people talking about how you can use both of them together. I believe I have cracked it. Like intimately, how they intimately work together. But, I'm not gonna do that here. Um, I've been really wanting to do that Under my primary name And my primary podcast But I'm leaning more and more Into podcast number two as That is going to become my primary work Eventually You all The work that I'm doing here is Evolving to be my primary space It's just going to take a little courage For me And it's not courage in terms of The things I talk about, I don't really, I'm not, I don't, I'm over. There are things, I've I've talked about some very difficult things here, and I'm over being scared about that. That part I'm not worried about. I have to be mindful about how people will weaponize this information I'm sharing against me as long as I have to still go and get a job, as long as I have to still interact with certain people and the information I share here can be weaponized Can be used against me And I have to get to the place Of so what to that So what I'm en route I'm, I'm getting there but I'm not there yet So So this cracking of the code Between the way I see um, MBTI and Enneagram The way I put them together I want to share that with you I just have to just dis- I'm probably going to do it here where before I wanted to do it under my name because I want credit for it (laughs) even if it's not sophisticated I still want credit for it but you guys can still give me credit uh, under this podcast Um, that, that sense of credit is coming from my extroverted thinking function you guys just to let you know that um but yeah, so the, the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram really together are really good tools for understanding that inner landscape. And as I think about the big five, and I don't talk about the big five often, I wonder if the big five is more about how the person relates to the outer world than the other two. And maybe, maybe it's just that I don't do a deep dive, deep dive studying into the uh, big five personality system. From, and maybe I can't, it, there's more to offer but because I'm not studying it. I don't, I don't appreciate all that it has. But I do believe the MBTI and the Enneagram not only helps us to interact with our auto worlds, they both help us to understand our internal our interiority Everybody let's say that word together Interiority Interiority So we are both subject and objects. That was one thing that came From this personalist video And from the text uh, Let's see There's another point here it says, oh, my, my, my handwriting is bad, but I think it relates to intersubjectivity. And I think, my gosh, I think this is where we can get into talks about racism and sexism and heterosexism because when, oh, my God, this is so good, but intersubjectivity is recognizing and relating to the subjectivity of other people. That's so good y'all this is such a breakthrough so not only do we have our own interiority but it then is the next level of being able to understand appreciate and connect to the interiority of another person but here's where that this is where we need to interrogate this When my relating to the interiority of another person is driven by familiarity, you look like me, you live like me, you love like me, so I now can respect and value your inner, your inner landscape. But when you don't look like me, when you don't live like me, when you don't love like me, I don't really understand what's going on with your inner world. I don't understand it. Therefore, I cannot value it. And that's where we get into trouble. And that gap allows us to create these um, boundaries in, and and as I read years ago, and I don't know if I'd share this with you in this project, but when we operate from a scarcity mindset that there are not enough resources to go around for us to survive, then we create a ranking system of who should get access to those resources and who shouldn't. And that is how then how we start, okay, well, I know I should get access to those resources. I want to get access to those resources. So let me justify it. And the way I'm going to justify it is everybody who looks like me, lives like me, loves like me, then you too should get access to those resources. Because then if you get access to those resources and you live, love, and look like me, then that means I'm safe. All of it is interwoven. and that intersubjectivity then is used for survival so it's used for relating and then it's used for survival and then systems get systems and structures get put attached to it and then you start having permanent divisions so I inter, this is all interconnected in my life in these different passion projects that i have But coming back to the personality theory, like when I know I'm interacting with another INTJ, and now sometimes it, dealing with an INTJ can be annoying, especially not when that INTJ has a lack of regard for my INTJness, right? When you don't know how to play in the sandbox together, and then I'm like, "Oh, you want to flex? Okay. You want to pull yours out? You want to you want to have a pissing contest? Let's do it." You know, I'm here for that as well. I don't live there. I don't like to use my energy in those contests. I don't, I don't like using my energy for competition. But if it's a competition that I think is worth it, oh, I'm going to flex with you. So there's a competing that's happening in the organization. So it's a real, really yucky place. A yucky place. So it's a, it's a it's it's a, it's a yucky place because you have all of these uh, essential elements of being human and fighting for sur- of survival in a way that is not being addressed or aligned. So people are it's murky and it's muddy and it's oh, it's just well oh, it just needs to be aligned. So. But yeah, I think I think having these personality systems allow us to relate. And again, you look like you look like me, you live like me, you love like me, right? There's something about me in you. When I can see me in you, it allows for an intersubjectivity. And when I don't see me in you, it allows for objectivity. Mm -hmm. When do we toggle between the person as a subject And the person as an object Oh my gosh you guys that's good I want to stay there but I don't have time This third point And this is all about personalist thought Personalist theory, personalist theology So this third point that came from the video I think But it might be in this text when I finish reading it It's about self-possession being self-possession and self-determinism. That I am because I do. I exist because of the things that I do. I achieve because of my efforts. I can control my own life. And there's the opposite of that is predestination. I understand why this comes up in theology. Are we predestined? Or do we operate with some self-determinism? Am I just a total? Am I the sum total of things that happened before me and I was going to be created and I was going to exist no matter what because of those things that happened before me or outside of me? Or am I here because of my interior world driving me. And I think that I, I I would see those as two ends, two poles of a spectrum. And I would say we're somewhere in the middle of that. But there are some people who think we are more self-determined, predetermined, excuse me, what is it called? Predeterminism. So, what is it called? Oh my God, I just lost it. Self determination versus predestination, predetermined. Some people think we're more. It's so, I keep losing it. I want to say predetermined. I don't know why that word is, keeps leaving me, but anyway, I'm just going to say predetermined. That's not the word. I just said it twice, and I can't pull it. All right, and then um, do I control it or don't I? Don't I control it? I am because I do or I am because of something outside of me. I am because of my interior world or I am because of the exterior, exterior world. You know, and I just think about these INTJ content creators and they don't, they don't, they are not able to get on a podcast and linger in their interpersonal world. It's not easy, but I say it's easier today because I've been doing this almost three years now. This project will be three years old in June. But initially I was like, it was very hard. (laughs) It was very hard. And as a matter of fact, when you go and listen to the first year, when you listen to the first year, the podcast is a hot mess. I really think it starts taking form this year. Like, this is the year, season, where where are we, season six? I believe six, season five is really, 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 it started taking the form that I like. Like, you could just look at the evolution of it over time. That first year was a hot. The first semester, the first season, season one, I just don't even know how anybody goes. When I see people that have downloaded those episodes from in 2020, I just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> I need to delete those. But I do more, um, I did more reflections on Myers-Briggs. And so I can see why people go back and listen to that. Because I talk more about cognitive functions and INTJness as a standalone topic. Now I use it as more integrated in my reflection. But anyway, but I am processed my inner and my outer world. Because it's my way of connecting to my form of self-determinism, if that is a thing, if it is going to be a thing, we are going to have to be able to reflect on our inner and our outer worlds. I'd be curious to know what you think. Um, I think I'm going to end here. I'm going to come back and talk more about this theory, y'all. But I'm going to end here. Um, this point about being an existence in and of us, of ourselves, like. Who am I? Am I? And I, You guys, this is a question I process a lot with you all because it's something I process a lot with myself. What does it mean to be the self? What is the self? What does it mean to be? It's a question I've been processing. What constitutes me at the core? What parts of me can be lost and I can still retain the essence of the self? Is it the body, parts of the body, the body in a whole? Is it the mind? Do you lose your mind and then you still have your body? Are you the self? Like if somebody's dealing with um, um, dementia, or they have a stroke, and the parts of their cells are like, Changed, altered. Is that person still the person? What is the, what? And so, one of the things from the text I thought was interesting um, is under characteristic number one. I'm going to the text where it says human beings, animals, and nature. And I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read to you guys. Personalists have generally insisted on the falsi- falsity, on the falsity. Of Darwin's claims that man's difference from the other terrestrial beings is one of degree and not of kind. So basically, they're saying Charles Darwin, survival of the fittest guy, that we evolved from animal, other animal. We we evolved. Humans are the product of an evolution process of other living entities. So this article is saying that Darwin thinks. That humans are just separate from other living things by degrees And personalists argue that we are our own entity In and of ours We are not a degree, degree We are not a variance of something else We are our own entity That's what this theory says And that Um While there might be patterns among us, as I and TJ, there are patterns. As a type 8, there are patterns. As a black woman, there there are patterns that I experience. But when you take all of that together, or none of that, that I am a unique imprint. I guess when you think about a fingerprint, no fingerprint is duplicated, I guess you like you guys like turn off the damn alarm I just don't want to because I' really do I said I was going to cut it off I decided not to just because I need to, I do need to get going all right I'm closing but we are an imprint of ourselves I mean only of ourselves and once you go once you die that is Configuration will never, ever be reproduced. Ever. So, of course, I've been thinking about life and death. I've been thinking about death and, like, afterlife. And people who think about going to heaven, I talked to my sister. She was in town. I said, do you believe? Do you think, do you believe we live after we die? She was like, absolutely. I said, you believe in it? heaven? She said, absolutely. I asked her one more time. I said, I said no. I said, sis, do you really, really, really believe? She was like, yeah. Like looking at me, like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, is that my INTJ wiring that is poking that? And I so desperately want to believe it. I want to believe it, y'all. I want to believe that the people that I have loved, that have passed on, that I'm going to be able to access them one day. I want to believe that. And then there's a part of me that says, this person that I am saying is me, do I need this person that I'm saying that's me? Do I need to, to live into an infinite, infinity? Or do I need, would I like to see different configurations of this thing that's me? Do I want to be locked into this thing that is me forever, ever, 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 never, after life, after death? I don't know. And I think about how we are interconnected with other living beings, other, like what is this Dimension of life You guys, these are some big existent, existential questions I've been processing And I think hopefully you'll understand why You'll understand You'll get why Based on what, what I've been going through Continuous, a continuous loop Continuous loop With all these people that I have Lost And then I'm One of the young ladies I work with Yesterday, she's indigenous and she said, Well, you know, my people don't live long. And she just said, As a matter of fact, I had another person who talked about that. Well, our lifespan is not as long. So we have, and all of that just makes you say, Okay, if we're going to live like that, and it, from a more pragmatic lens, like, design, we, our lifespan isn't the same as the dominant group for, because we don't have access to the resources and all of that. To live a longer life. So this is the length of time that we have to live. And they say life is short already. Then life is really short for us. In the margins. What the hell are you doing with your time? This is what I'm asking myself. So while I'm thinking about living in infinite. Infinity. If that is a thing. I'm also saying what is living in this iteration. And so I'm very proud to say that I've been. You guys know I was. Um. Working on, um, I listened to a, a YouTube clip and at the end of the year, 2022, and it talked about how people set up these New Year's resolutions. This is not enough to set up a goal. You have to set up a system. And I'm a systems person. I, so it was really nice to hear somebody else say it. So I was trying to come up with a new system because the systems that I've been using for greatness, and they're for, things, they're for an earlier iteration of me. But as as I've evolved and I've grown, I need new systems. So I I told you guys I was going to do this system where I focus on one theme a week for the month. And every week was going to have a theme. Week one, week two, week three, week four. That's not been working out. Because I have priorities in my life that don't allow me to say, okay, I'm not going to address that until week three. Now maybe after, maybe I'll be able to do that in the future, but right now I could. So I have... Updated this morning. I'm going to type it up this morning. I wrote it out. I don't, I just, I'm not willing. The goal that I have for 2023 is strictly, um, is strictly, um, the goal that I have for 2023 is strictly about putting a system together for my third quarter, for the life that I want. And we it's not just planning that system, but really putting systems in place where they're activated. They're activated and they're interrelated to each other. And so that is really what I've spent in 2023, building that infrastructure for greatness. And so how am I going to build that infrastructure is really what I've been focused on. What are some things I need to clean up Clarify, eliminate, add to. And so this morning I find, I've been working on this for a few weeks now and I finalized my monthly, weekly and daily structures. I'd like to have a quarterly, but I can't, I don't know if I can do that right, but I do have a monthly, weekly and daily structure system. I'm really excited about that. One life. Or is it? I don't know. (laughs) But personalism would say that we are special, who we are as individuals, are you? And that's probably why a personalist would probably say there is life after death. Because if you're going to put all this stock and value into the single person, does that go away when that person expires? That's a lot riding on that one person for them. Then it goes away when you expire. It's no wonder you continue on. But if you believe that you are just an an interactive organism with the world, then that your relationship to death changes. I know I was all over the place in this reflection today. And this is one of the reasons why I haven't been hitting the re- record button because in the Evolve project, I come to you and I'm like, I'm very clear, I want to talk to you about this. Whereas back when I first started, I'm like, I'm just going to hit the record button and we're just getting ready to talk. <laughs> we land where we land. And so I've been trying to not do that. I've been trying to s- s- start somewhere, but that does make me less willing to. I can't hit the. I don't. If I don't have a starting point, I'm not hitting the record button, but it doesn't mean I'm not thinking. So that's really what the delay has been. So I don't even know. But you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. You're like, what have you talked about? <laughs> what in the hell have I talked about? So I'm going to stick with, have I said perennialism? Perennialism. Is that a plant? Perennialism is a philosophy Have I said perennialism? I have, excuse me I meant to say personalism I feel like I've said perennialism Hold on Oh my god, I just pushed the pause button And I looked up the word perennialism I said it's a plant It's a philosophy P E R E N It is a philosophy That all religions and all philosophies Boil down to a single truth You guys know I'm going to have to come back and unpack that We can't do that here But if this conversation on personalism um, um, Relates to a conversation you've had in the world Such as what does it mean to be Uh, What does it mean to have an interior world What does it mean to relate to other people's interior worlds Um, What does it mean to die What does it mean to live? What systems do you have in place? If any of that relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. If my moving about is causing randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com or on Twitter, yournidom1. Go check out Twitter, though. I've um, I've tweeted out some of those texts I referenced today. Um, YouTube or Facebook, you're NI DOM. I picked up a few followers on YouTube. It's a slow crawl, you guys know that. But it's still exciting when it happens. Um, so go check out those videos that I placed up around eight and ones about INTJ, confidence, masterminding, um, type out typing someone. So there's some content on YouTube, so please go check it out. Let me give you your assignment. If a tree if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around, does it make a sound? Is that how does that go? If if a tree falls and no one is around to hear it fall, does it make a sound? Right? Is that sound absolute or is it only relative? Who are you? Are you absolute or are you relative? And I think I think Personalism puts us more in an absolute space. I am. Whereas other philosophies make us more relative. Situational. Reflexive, I think, might be the word. I don't know. I need to keep, I'm going to keep reading about personalism, but, and I'm going to read about perennialism, (laughs) but I'm going to read about personalism and I'm going to come back who are you are you absolute self-determined are you a- an absolute sixth thing or are you the sum total of things that have come before you around you and beyond you you think about once you pass on and expire who are you when you expire who are you when you're alive? These are some existential questions you guys understand. So you hit the play button. You're with me in journey. Then that means you're going to be reflecting with me, okay? That's all I got for you today. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye. Bye.